And let's just spell it out for you. E-C-H-O-P-L-E-X. They put me in a fucking magazine.
Hey everybody, sorry about that. Welcome to Down Ballot. <laughs> I'm producer Dave. The councilman is off on an adventure. Uh, Down Ballot is our local news show. We uh, used to do local news at the beginning of our Sunday show, but alas, it started to go into like a half an hour, sometimes 40 minutes of what was supposed to be an hour-long podcast, so we spun it off. And uh, now it's its own show. It's kind of been on a bunch of different nights. For a while it was every two weeks. For a while it was once a month. Now it's every week and it's Friday. <clears throat> Day, day and time of the show will probably change as COVID restrictions start to get lifted. I'll have things to do Friday night dinner, fucking getting white girl wasted on uh, on the avenue here in downtown of the city I live in. Oh, the councilman is not off on an adventure. I will, I will bring the councilman in. How are you doing, the councilman? In my office. Right on, right on. Well, uh, I sort of introduced myself. Introduce yourself. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the councilman. You can find me at T-H-E underscore councilman on the Twitter. Um, longtime listener, longtime panelist, first time caller. Happy to be here as always. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Just, uh, making some last minute adjustments here. Excellent. Sorry. I missed the, uh, intro theme music this time around. That's all right. It was big, small towns by model rocket scientist. Great fucking song. Um, it really is the theme song of this show. It's a fantastic. It, it's almost like he wrote it for this show. Almost, almost. It sometimes feels a little bit that like that, doesn't it? Correct. So before I mean, we get going, I want to thank team. everybody who came and hung out last night. Um, we're now one sub away from a hundred subs on Twitch. That's holy not, That's not followers. That's people who pay. Um. Thanks, everybody. I know um, Risto, Missy Lopsy in the chat dropped a couple of gift subs last night. So did uh, so did the Media Wench. I think, uh, I forget who else. Uh, one of the new people who came over from uh, Star and uh, and Kenzie Fires community came in, came in hot with a level three sub, like right like before the show even fucking started. They're like, you know, I'm going to give these people money. So just thanks, everybody, for that last night. Uh, we, had a, we had a fucking big audience last night. It was super fun. And anybody who's listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you follow us on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media because there's all kind of cool shit going on here. Particularly Thursday night, we do Cults in the Satanic Panic. We call the show Thetans and Satans. Hey, I, I love a good rhyme. Yeah, yeah. I think the media wench came up with that. So without any further ado, what's what do we got what do we got on leading off this week, Councilman? Well, it looks like as as folks know, uh there have been some there's been some progress on the whole vaccine front um and the whole covid front so uh both locally in the bay area and around california um there are timelines being put into place for reopening our economy um in a more substantial way particularly with regard to venues and uh and uh you know potential uh concertsies and performing artsy thingies um but uh in lieu of full reopening um some of our local arts groups <clears throat> are getting a little creative in terms of how they're presenting their shows so uh this is the story of the san francisco opera and what they are doing uh, to try to ease back into the new normal this is ktvu fox 2 so anything and anything could happen when we hit this play button <laughs> could be an ad for noom it views deborah vialone who's oh, here now with how they're pulling out all the stops for this this is interesting deborah yeah, Frank, like other performing arts, SF Opera has gotten by on streaming and seminars, waiting out the pandemic. Now it heads across the Golden Gate to put on a show. Uh -huh. 
SF Opera has presented The Barber of Seville many times, but never like the production rising up at the Marin Civic Center in San Rafael. They'll be looking straight ahead towards this incredible stage here, 200 cars. Drive-in opera fans, plus another 200 cars nearby with a big screen. About a third of the audience size at the War Memorial Theater in San Francisco, but it's live performance, first since the pandemic. And to feel the sense of community, to be knowing that you're watching art with other people is an incredible experience. And it's opera from scratch, beginning with a stage used at the Coachella Music Festival and constructing everything needed to bring the score and story alive. <laughs> It will be a shortened 90 minutes, no chorus, oh. and a smaller-than-usual orchestra to reduce risk. Each person has their own distance. We have special masks. We have special barriers for the wind players. Uh, everything to make sure that we're following the very, very safest uh, health protocols. Including specially designed singing masks the cast wears in rehearsal, but won't on stage for their outdoor performances. Public health is about emotional well-being. It's about social well-being. Marin's health officer says with such a huge stage, he's not worried about social distance or singing. He finds the timing perfect. I think we're so hungry as a community for, for an experience like this. You know, we've been, we've been deferring and we've been deprived of the arts now for over a year. Um, this is part of public health. Anne Marin's largest vaccination site at the fairgrounds will continue alongside the production. Are people going to dress to the nines to get in their car? And like so much in the pandemic, opera at a drive-in turns tradition inside out. You can be in your jeans and a t-shirt and and it makes, it makes opera accessible when you think about it that way. The opera hopes to return home this fall and considers this the first step. And I'm just so, so ecstatic that we're now beginning that journey and knowing that live music is coming back. Tickets, $250 per car, as many as it can hold, $150 for a lagoon spot in front of the big screen. Frank, there are 11 performances over three weeks, and yes, they do expect to sell out. I just love how they're thinking outside the box. Sadly, that's what we have to do during this pandemic, and it's just great to see it back. Or they're thinking outside the theater. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it, but I was like, I'll leave that. I'll leave that whack joke hanging and see if the councilman will pick it up. So, so uh, you, me, the media wench and the good wife split 250. What is that? Like 75 bucks each, 80 bucks each. Let's go. Let's go see the opera. Yeah, Missy Maserati in our chat wants to go. Nice. Um, what do you think of this? I don't know. I think it's, I think they should have could have done this quite some time ago. Absolutely. I, I don't see why not. Um, I'm definitely down with the special bag style mask for singing. That's kind of cool. I want to get that over here for some rehearsals of uh, Usurper Vong's return. Um, <laughs> that'd be fab. That would be fabulous. And what are these special like masks that the wind in the flautists and the other wind instruments get to <laughs> get to use? That's that sounds really cool. I actually. think they said barriers. So it's like going to be like um, like a like a probably a plastic sheet like right in front of them. And then they can't really not not much of this. Swinging right. back and forth with the with the with the horns instruments. That's what I have to guess. Or maybe like attached to like their you know to their instrument somehow on the front of it. Well, yeah, I agree. This is um, it's it's great to see. I mean, only only Marin would you see with this with like opera, right? Um, but I know theater companies that are doing socially distanced shows. Not some of them for sparse crowds, but um, some of them are doing you know the recording shows and doing like a live stream kind of a thing, which is kind of cool. Um, so it's it's great to see. And frankly, I think it's um. 
the the one lady from the marin cultural office or whatever uh was talking about how it's making opera more accessible i don't know that i mean i've been to opera before i didn't feel the need to wear a, a tuxedo to go see the opera in the first place i could have walked in there with a t-shirt and jeans and maybe they would have looked at me kind of weird but it's like there's no rule on the ticket that says you have to wear a black tie um but i do think that this kind of thing makes does make um art especially whatever you want to call it high art a little more accessible although you know they could bring the cost down a little bit and it's like a drive it's basically like a drive-in movie um with live performers but you know they got to pay their actors they got to pay their musicians so i i get it they got to rent the big coachella stage so i also like chat was saying like maybe the better view on this is going to be where you're looking at the screens not with those 200 cars right if there's less cars like where the screens are like the cameras are going to be set up so you might see things that you might not see on the screen or like if you're watching from the from the cars where there are no screens right and there's like a lagoon there so that you could have like you know ducks and other things you know you're out in nature watching the opera so so it's yeah it's kind of cool i think it's i think it's great i'm i'm looking forward to being able to um come together with people and experience art in all forms again um because it's been way too fucking long um and there is a very you can experience you can watch all the streaming tv shows and netflixing and you could even watch um our our wonderful pr uh, productions here on echoplex media on twitch but there's something about being like i can't wait to be back in the studio with you right um and you know interacting in person um there's something about that that you just can't replace that social aspect of it um so so i'm excited about this yeah it's, um, it's good shit i uh i enjoy you know checking out all the live streams of all the bands and stuff but Nothing, yeah. nothing beats like people fucking packed in a little too tight at the caravan. You got a cheap right. drink in your hand. Right. Coming up and just grabbing the mic and singing the song for you. I've, I've always loved that. Um, and I did see on the the Facebook group for SJ Bike Party that there's at least a few people who are anxious to pull something together. So, uh, you know, that that might be happening in the near future. Don't yeah, see why I'll not. be the first one in our little little community with a gig. Right. Just I mean, it's, it's outdoors. Play, yeah. Because so. I'll, I'll be able to play outside. Right. And I'm, you know, we'll see. I've got some tickets for, uh, uh, to see a band that I was supposed to see last summer at the Chase Center. My first experience at the Chase Center, big, big venue inside. Um, it's rescheduled for the end of July. So it's entirely possible that I might be able to go, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, speaking of going to live venues, I think we can move on to winners and, and losers. I know this is one you're going to like. Well, yeah, you know, I, I'm a little biased here, but um, uh, I was actually watching this on TV earlier today. So, um, yeah, uh, speaking of uh, coming together again, um, sports. Uh, so baseball is back. It's baseball season. Spring has sprung. Um, and unlike Texas, um, where the, the Rangers uh, who, uh, invited 38,000 people to fill their stadium on opening day with or without masks or vaccinations, um, basically a COVID spreader, a super spreader event. Uh, the Giants are taking a more, our local ball club here, the Giants are taking a little more conservative approach. Um, so they had a cap of 8,000 fans in, an, in a 40,000 seat stadium for their opening day. Um, and it had a lot of requirements in terms of being able to, uh, you know, prove that they've either been testing negative or they've been vaccinated and they're wearing masks and all that fun stuff. So this is a story about um, how that went down seats for the first time in more than a year. KTV's Alyssa Harrington reporting live this uh, afternoon on the changes the ticket holders need to know about before they go to the ballpark, Alyssa. 
Yeah, you know, it will be a different fan experience because of COVID-19, but everyone is just so excited for the Giants home opener. It's really hard to believe that fans have not entered the ballpark since September of 2019. We, of course, got used to seeing cardboard cutouts in the stands instead of a crowd. <laughs> Here's some live video outside Oracle Park where we're less than two hours from the first pitch. Fans are excited and so are team officials, but they want make, to make sure people understand that they need to follow safety measures around COVID-19. We're really excited about it. It's a special day for the Barragers in from Michigan. They're at their very first in-person Giants game, and their son Caleb is one of the pitchers on the team. We're here to cheer on the Giants and also wish our son Caleb Barragher um, a happy birthday today. Yes, it's his birthday today, and he gets to be here for the home opener. He's in relief. He's in the bullpen, so we'll see if he gets in today or not. The Giants are welcoming back a limited number of in-person fans for today's home opener against the Colorado Rockies. The team is allowing 22% capacity, or 8,900 people. Giants CEO Larry Baer explained what the fan experience will be like going forward. We have something called Fan Safe, which is once you're in the park, it's, it's going to be one of the safest places you could ever be. Um, we're going to have all the sanitation and we're going to have concessions set up in a way that it's going to be very safe. Concessions are ordered through an app from your seat. Fans will either have to provide a negative COVID test within 72 hours of a game or proof of a full COVID vaccination. Once inside, people will be socially distanced. We're just excited to have the energy back with the fans. And more importantly, we're excited that the community's you know, in, in such a better place now and, and working toward getting back to, to normalcy. Opening ceremonies start in about an hour from now at 1. The national anthem will be sung by a member of the Bay Area healthcare community to represent all those frontline workers impacted by COVID-19. I'm Alyssa Harrington, KTVU, Fox 2 News. An exciting day. Alyssa, thank you. Meanwhile, the A's will once again try to break the spell. It uh, just cuts it like some random time, man. Fucking amateur of hour over, over there at KTVU, too, man. Dude, I in, in not just KTVU, I've just been really um, not surprised, I guess, but just you know, it's it's interesting how poor the production quality is for these folks that have like supposedly you know equipment and like professional gear and and staff um, that are there to to specifically help. And I, but I've watched so many of these remote shows and remote you know remote ins over the past past year, right? And you'd think they would get better. Like I could understand maybe the first week being a little awkward, but there's a show that comes on every week that the good wife and I watch. And this guy's been doing the show for years. He's been doing it remotely for a year and his audio sucks. It's like he's got a, he's got a mic that looks like yours. Right. Right. And he's got a set. He's apparently, you know, you'd think he could get a setup that would do it justice, but it sounds like he's recording from a freaking bathroom. Um, a really small bathroom. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand how, how they can have better production quality, but it just goes to show how amazing this show sounds. Yeah, I just think they could do with, like, a little bit of compression in the signal chain, right. for fuck's sake, man. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'll tell you one thing. I am the biggest baseball nut out there, you know, probably certainly on the Equiflex Media Network. Um, and yet I'm, there's, no, there's no earthly way I would be in a stadium with, that's full of people, you know, cheering and yelling and eating hot dogs and, you know, burping um, and farting and, and uh, taunting other, other players and high-fiving. Um, it's just a little bit uncomfortable for me still at this point. Um, so I, I think 8,900 fans is probably all I could tolerate. But even then, it's a, I'm still a little bit sketched out. But I'm happy to watch it on telly. 
Um, and it's better to hear actual fans cheering than they, they had, um, producer Dave's, they had, in addition to the cardboard cutouts that a lot of teams were using, I don't know if you watch, you, I know you don't watch a whole lot of sports on the telly, um, but they actually had like, some teams were pumping in live, like, or, or you know, fake audience noise, right? right like right. recorded audience noise. It was that, the lamest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so silly. And I can't imagine what the players were thinking. It's got to be like different for them, right? Um, you know, they missed a, they missed a real golden opportunity to sell like access to like, make your own like make your own cut out of a fake fan like i would have paid 80 or 100 bucks to put madison star moon like, like in the stands like i should have told you the giants actually did this they so they it was in literally like 80 or 90 bucks actually you could pay you could pay and send in your photo and they would make a cut they made a cut out of you um damn i should have told you that well i think they there's some teams that are still doing it so maybe we can we can get one of her that's a great idea and get damba dandy and madison star moon and all our all our favorites austin <laughs> bennett Austin Bennett, can you imagine? And all his five children. He'd be um, so mad if he saw oh, that. Oh, totally. Right behind the plate, too. Like in the in you know, on camera all the time. That would be fabulous. Um, <laughs> maybe we can whoever comes out of the the clown card or run against uh, Gavin Newsom in the recall, maybe we can we can buy one for each of them. We'll take donations, by the way. Um, listener. Uh give us drop us some chill bucks, drop us some subs, and we'll send us some suggestions and we'll we'll get a cardboard cutout going. Of your favorite of your favorite Echoplex character. So moving <laughs> on, I can't believe like in October we missed the most fucking down ballot story that ever happened, ever ever. <clears throat> so what happened was I'll bring up the I'll bring up the the headline here. I'm not going to scroll through and read the article. I couldn't find video. Like there was no like local news story on this, but there was an anti-abortion protest in uh, Walnut Creek, right? And some counter protesters came. And the people who were there protesting against the abortion clinic had brought a security guard. Well, that security guard brought and used tear gas. On the anti-abortion anti protesters. Right, on the people there demonstrating the in favor of Planned Parenthood. And awesome. now this person's being charged with uh, battery and illegal possession of tear gas. How did we miss this story? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, fucking, I'm like, how did this happen? And this wasn't like the only thing we talked about. Like how, how did that show not go for hours with us talking about like, we're going to have to go back and find some Wayback machine video of this one. That's that's yeah. Every, every now and then loyal viewer and listener, you know, the stories do slip through the cracks. That's why we do love it. When you, you drop us uh, on the discord and under for the docket, drop us some links because uh, we don't want to miss anything like this. Um, but that that's unfortunate. Um, so he's just, uh, he's was char was he recently charged then or the security guard was recently charged is that where the story yeah, looks came from, like or is it this a looks like it yeah so hopefully there'll be something from like the trial um or the settlement whatever happens um that we can grab but well that's that's unfortunate we have um we have a planned parenthood down the down the street from our our uh, abode here the good wife and i um and there's we ne never cease to drive by and see one at least one lone you know um very upset person carrying a picture of an aborted fetus um marching up and down the corner you know asking people to honk for 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 dead babies um yeah it's uh it's unfortunate um and i feel i feel awful for the people that actually work and serve in planned parenthood because they have to walk through these people usually to get to work um and get you know harassed so well it seems like the people seems like them. the people in walnut creek had a little bit rougher time of it because the anti-abortion protesters brought a guy with tear gas <laughs> that's a bit much that is a bit much i'll have to say <laughs> i mean sticks and stones right um and tear gas definitely hurts uh 
Yeah, but seriously. Like, I'm against the cops using tear gas. And, like, I don't think that your security guard, when you go to protest Planned Parenthood, should bring it. I don't know. It doesn't, it just seems like. Excessive. Um, I mean, but then again, you know, you, you pull up, you pull some tear gas, they pull a gun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't speak for, for what the motivation was there. I mean, maybe he just thought he should be prepared. Um, but it's, it's important actually at these times to remind folks that Planned Parenthood is not just an abortion clinic. Like it's not just what they, it's not what they do. It's not abortions are us. They're actually there for women's health care and healthcare in general. Not um, just women. I know plenty of men who went to, yeah, they've gone to Planned Parenthood for little this or that maybe they weren't comfortable going to the regular doctor for because of the things planned parenthood specializes in their insurance covered it so they're like or they're like these are the experts you know that kind of stuff so yeah absolutely so it's a good good reminder uh, to folks um and and also a good reminder that not everyone who's pro-choice is pro-abortion like you know personally i i would be, be happy if there were never an abortion ever again but i also recognize that we live in a world where it's absolutely necessary and it is absolutely something that all women and men should have access to. Um, so, you know, uh, to each their own, I suppose, until you start using tear gas on your fellow human beings. That's pretty raw. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they just shot the people who were there protesting in favor of Planned Parenthood with tear gas. I don't know. I don't know that happens there. The story alluded to a a Facebook live video, but I Mm. couldn't find the video from October. Maybe we'll take a look, look this week and see if we can't, um, dig it out. See if we can't find it somewhere. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, First Amendment, fine, go, you know, say what you want, wave, wave your signs, you know, have your protest, but just don't infringe on my life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and we're good. You can have your, you can have your opinions. There's plenty of people with whack opinions out there, and we deal with them all the time on the show and others. I mean, really, the, the, the Sunday show, I think, was created to deal with, <laughs> with that, but um, once you start spreading misinformation and you, you start jeopardizing people's lives and well-being, then... Uh, that's that's the line i think that we we tend to to follow so the red line so we've been covering a lot of churches this year or at least like yeah, the, since like like since like maybe since covid started i think at first it was covering churches because they were figuring out ways to do their services over the internet um and then and i was like uh, acutely aware of that because i'm in some communities on the internet for this broadcast software that we use and as soon as covid happened there was like a flood of people from churches coming in and uh everybody you know i'm like i'm not i'm not religious but i'm like i'll answer your fucking obs question absolutely i hooked this one guy up he was like oh i don't want to buy just a cheap webcam but i don't i don't want to spend you know a few thousand dollars on a broadcast camera and i was like dude buy a dslr (laughs) he's like oh i have a dslr and i'm like plug it in with the usb and see if obs sees it he's like oh shit obs sees my dslr thanks dude (laughs) gar charles tech support emporium it's a really fun place to be everyone so, um, so is this a tr- is this a church story? Yeah, I'm on the record as not liking church and being a being an, a pretty strong opponent of religion. But I think the person in this video is also maybe a strong opponent of religion. But it seems like he's a strong <laughs> opponent of, of many things, and he decided to use this church services Zoom meeting to um, air those grievances. Oh my! But I ain't trying to do no. F- this ain't a. F- Easter Sunday service took a racist and vulgar turn on the Zoom link for Grace Baptist Church in San Jose. Putting together some pretty evil sentences about hating people in um, various ethnic groups. 74-year-old Barbara Taft says she heard and saw it all. Turning his back to the camera and lowering his pants and mooning 
the camera. Eventually, someone at the outdoor. This lady's trying to be so nice and like polite. <laughs> Reverend George Oliver says it hurt. To have a flagrant display of white supremacy at the most progressive church in San Jose is unconscionable. Reverend Oliver is in the process of filing a police report and calling on Zoom to track down the offenders and to restrict their access. We did not invite that into our church. That platform allowed that to happen. In a statement, Zoom says it takes disruptions seriously and where appropriate, work closely with law enforcement authorities. There is a GoFundMe for Grace Baptist to help pay for security. The hate speech incident comes four months after a deadly stabbing inside the church, violence that erupted as the congregation worked to help the homeless. It made me more sad oh, than angry. Taft says she's praying for the three boys who brought so much hate to a church where everyone is welcome. Your actions and your words showed that you have no respect for uh, anyone and you also have no self-respect and that's very sad. Gene Ellie, NBC Bay Area News. Yeah, that's that's pretty. I'm also not like the biggest fan of organized religion, um, but that's pretty fucked up. I mean, what, you have to have something better to do on, especially Easter Sunday, than that. Well, I think right? that's the reason that day was chosen, right? Sure, with, with the ma mass, the mass, or the big, the biggest audience, you know, the the Easter mass audience. I am an Easter mass Catholic. That's how I like to call it. I, I go to church probably twice a year, and actually, usually it's only once around Christmas. But I do pay attention around Easter. I watch Jesus Christ Superstar. You know, my wife and I watch the Ten Commandments. Um, not the Passion yeah, of the Christ. I, you know, I haven't seen it. Um, don't watch that shit. It's Mel Gibson, right? Did he direct it? Don't that? watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all down for a good um, religious passion play, but uh, it seems a little bit, yeah, you know, just, just outside my comfort zone. Um, so, not, not necessarily my taste. But yeah, that, this is um, that's a little bit much to be dropping trow and calling out all sorts of, of people and just just acting the fool. But you know, they're it's just. Part of what we're dealing with today, you know, Zoom bombing has been a thing for a year now. Um, so why wouldn't it come to church? <laughs> uh, you should hear some of the folks that they get on San Jose City Council uh, nowadays. We'll have to pull some of that up on video sooner or later because there, there's some really choice fools making fools out of themselves. Or um, like, or like, sometime if once things open up, maybe if the if the wife that is good is out on some kind of adventure, we can. Uh do the post game and just get the juiciest clips of the city hall for the last month or something. Yeah, that'd be great. We could, we could do some, some MST, uh, Echoplex 3k type <laughs> city council watching. Cause the, the public comment gets pretty spicy, especially now that, um, folks are on, are able to dial in right. And, and, uh, live in as opposed to having to be there in person. Cause that's when only all you get was that one crazy woman who thought that the whole city council was a bunch of like lizard people. Um, now you get like 20 times uh, that woman. It's fantastic. If we had the ability to launch another show, I would launch another show called Public Comment. <laughs> oh God, that would be great. What a great idea. If I had, if I only had the time and we didn't, <laughs> we weren't, we weren't off on adventuring all the time. Um, oh, public uh, Comment. I mean, it would be, a great it'd be idea. so easy to get people. Once you, once you gain some kind of critical mass, right? It'd be really mm -hmm. easy to get people to send you stuff. Oh, for sure. This, I mean, and frankly, folks, this stuff is available anywhere, right? Wherever you are, even before the pandemic, that you know, you could get live, a lot of uh, local government was live streaming or at least um, tape streaming, right, on YouTube or whatever their their uh, platform of choice is, or a um, or a player on their website that just doesn't work. 
Right. That in the, in the case of San Jose, that's the case. That was the <laughs> case. There's for whatever reason, city government specializes in player on website that does not work. If you're interested, I know that there's like there's one um, vendor I think called Granicus. I want to say that that does a lot of city government streaming and work like that. I I feel like we could you know teach them a thing or two and maybe make a few bucks um, for some friends by by uh, sharing some of the platforms that we use. But you I don't go know in if, as consultants if, and be like, hey, here's your YouTube account. Exactly, bro. Now you we, don't have we'll to do set, any of this shit. We'll set that up for. We'll set that shit up for you. Do you guys know about Instagram? <sighs> so I've unfortunately, the last thing in winners and losers is the loser this year. Uh, once again, is probably going to be our forest, and it's probably going to be probably going to be in places like where the media wind lives. Probably going to be some of our Southern mm-hmm. California forests. Mm-hmm. And um, looks like the experts think that this fire season is going to be bad. Well, we're we're going into a drought, so it's, yeah, it's entirely possible. It will be decades before anyone forgets last year's Bay Area fire season. At one point, the Bay was quite literally surrounded by fire. Statewide, over 4 million acres of land burned. And in Santa Clara County alone, a record four... I just want to stop and say, like, there was a fucking pandemic and the fucking whole fucking hills around the city were on fire and you could barely see the sun and shit. That was the most apocalyptic shit I've ever lived through. And people were out in the streets protesting, you know, uh, racial injustice. <laughs> like, it was it was insane. Um, around about a year ago, a little, more, little less than a year ago. You're right. Like, it, I, it was... It was seriously like end of days up there. Man, fucking religious nutters were probably losing their damn minds, weren't they? Like once you're <laughs> once you're so far, like what HK says is once you become so religious that it makes you stupid. Those people were losing their damn minds. There were protests well, in the sure. street. There was fire. The fucking yep. sky was red and shit because of the sun. <laughs> and there was a fucking a fucking pestilence going around. Like. Did we check to see if Jim Baker's buckets of slop took a, a nice sales uptick during that, that time? I have to imagine they did. Well, they were a lot of buckets of slop at the beginning. Alex Jones kept doing segments about, oh, it'll be six to eight weeks, but we'll actually deliver in six to eight weeks. Everybody <laughs> else is lying to you. It's going to be 12 weeks for them. Like, yeah, if that shit sold out, that survival shit sold out immediately. I got my iodine. I'm ready to go. Just in case. acres burned. This is really concerning. Now experts are trying to predict what happens next. Right now, fire experts are sampling the moisture in plants to help determine the potential risk for this year's fire season. Well, it ain't rained, so... Good. In fact, they call it grim. And this is a standard test that is done grim. across the state by a number of different agencies. And so it gives us an idea of the moisture content, and that moisture content relates to how... Hot He's got a craft work shirt on. How easy they're going to burn and spread. Moisture in plants is usually at its highest point. That's the guy that just gives you a C so if you show up stone and don't do your work. Rain over the winter, plants are not even growing. The fact that they're not reaching what they typically reach in April, which is their highest moisture content, when the plants really start blooming and growing, is indicative of something that could be really drastic this summer. The good news, the rain may pick back up by May, but Cal Fire is not taking any chances. We've already conducted 1,215 inspections in Santa Clara County, and normally we don't start doing those inspections till late May, early June. Resources are also available for homeowners looking to get a head start on preparing their homes for fire season. You can find more on that by visiting readyforwildfire.org. Ginger Conajero Saab, NBC Bay Area News. Oh boy. They were just talking about the Bay Area. Like, even though we got the fires last year, dude, 
it's not us. It's it's fucking Redding, Yuba City, yeah. fucking like places in Nevada County. Like that's that's where like that fucking that fucking what was it that car fire where f- people couldn't get out because the fucking there was only one road in and like one major road in. Yeah, and, we mostly had to deal with the smoke right here, but at the, there it's like it's life and death. Like they're you know they're surrounded by it. Um. Yeah, we'll, we shall see. I'm certainly seeing it like just hyper locally. Like our, uh, we have some fruit trees in the backyard here that, uh, one of them is just not even blooming. Like we haven't gotten any fruit off of it. It's been it's two months late, two months delayed for uh for fruit. I don't think it's going to fruit this year, uh, primarily because of the just the dryness out there. They, I had a guy come over to trim one of our trees, and he said you should water your trees. And these are really established trees, like 20, 30, 40 year old trees. And I'm like, you have to water trees. <laughs> I didn't even realize, right? Um, he's like, yeah, it's, it's that bad. So we actually had a tree die, just dry out. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not a good situation. Yeah. Like, um, it's going to, if it, if it's, if it's bad, I mean, it'll just be, it'll just be, a, it'll just be a mess. Like, mm. like, especially if like everything's starting to open. Oh no, oh, man. The fucking chaos, dude, the chaos. Yep. everything will just be opening up and then the fucking state's on fire and it's just fuck man the kids go back to school and suddenly the parents are like you know close down the school you can't have school when there's smoke everywhere or like yeah it's it's bad news fuck it is good luck everybody you know what else is bad news stealing fucking duck statues yeah i called this one this week mountain view get your ducks in a row get your ducks in a row <laughs> so there's good news in this story three people have been arrested for Yay. stealing this adorable duck with a mask on from this person's ha- fucking front porch in mountain view here is the video from the mountain view police department of the people just walking up and taking the duck like no big deal there's no audio on it it's all good it's just, this is like their uh their nest cam and they pull up in a Oh, it wasn't the people in a Volkswagen. Not them. Or they're in a Honda. A okay, white Honda they pulls come. up. Here they, come. here they come. There's a cute duck. Just watch the video on YouTube, uh, podcast listeners. They just roll up middle middle of the day. Blocking the driveway. Blocking the driveway. They must have planned this in advance because they knew it was there. They look around. Make Wait, sure nobody's watching. Waiting for, the, waiting for the guy in the yellow yellow suit to leave, maybe. Right. What's that guy doing? Leaving? Nope. Gar- some excessive, some in- intense gardening. Some toxic gardening. Madison Star Moon would be parking to go yell at the guy in the fucking yellow suit. <laughs> what are you spraying? What are you spraying on me? This duck doesn't need a mask. It'd be very funny if they just ran up and took the mask off the duck. Right. And then just left with just the mask. Oh, here we go. Actually, here we go. Action White Civic. I'm just gonna wait. Trying to, there's trying. He's trying to wait for the, the dude in the uh, hazmat suit. Wait, who are these other people? Oh, well, interesting. Like they were all ready for this. Are they gonna put it in that hatchback? And what's the? Th- is the third person filming? Oh my god, they're filming this. They totally are on their phone. Why would you do that? You just why would you film yourself stealing a duck? Where where are you gonna put this in the front seat? They had this all planned, and they were in that. They were there. Two people in that other car. They were waiting for the white car to show up. 
that a Prius? I think it's a Prius. These are these are like progressive hippies. I mean, how rude! It was a nice duck. Maybe they just really liked it. Like maybe that it wasn't like so much vandalism. They just wanted to have. They they were jealous. They had duck envy. <laughs> right, duck envy. <laughs> right. My goodness. Uh, but they the, they arrested those three people for stealing the duck. Oh, fabulous! Well, they were on camera, and they. I'm, I'm guessing the other young lady posted it on Facebook Live. <laughs> Gee, how did they find us? Um, have you what's um, have you ever shoplifted in your life, Bruce or Dave? No, there's no cops watching, so never, not once, not even like a candy bar. No, I definitely have 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 jacked some shit in my time. Um, I was a re rebellious youth, um, uh, and I was kind of addicted to it for a little while, but uh, mostly little shit. And then it got bad. I actually jacked a, a whole bunch of Legos once from a Toys R Us. Um, just walked right out with the boxes without paying. Who's gonna? You know, I was like twelve. Who's gonna fuck with a little kid, right? Walking out, like, oh, of course they, they must be. They they must have bought those, or someone bought them for them. Why would they have that? Um, but I couldn't tell a lie. So when mom sort of noticed that I had a shit ton more Legos than I did the day before, <laughs> how did you get those? Um, I had to give them to a well, didn't give them back. I gave them to a, a shelter, a ch child shelter. So some kids got to play with my Legos but they weren't really mine. So it was fair, but that was the worst I ever did as far as stealing stuff. I would never steal someone's like lawn art. I would only steal from multinational corporations. That was a nice duck. It was a really nice duck. Um, I would have loved to see them just take the mask off and be like, ha ha <laughs> masks are bullshit, man. Duck's going to get COVID, but they Fuck can't the establishment. It's not, it's not real. Right. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, so I hope that they, I, so they got arrested. Do you know if they got the duck back? I hope so. I mean, like, right. What do you put the, essentially take the duck to the pawn shop? I mean, or they hold it for ransom, right? <laughs> That's we how they get caught. They're like, we have your duck. <laughs> we have the duck. Give us half of a Bitcoin or you'll never see the duck again. <laughs> oh my God. Wire it to account number 896543. <laughs> um yeah i could totally see that happening that would be very that would be so meta silicon valley it was Bitcoin. oh yeah mountain view get your get your ducks in a row yep <clears throat> i'll talk to the mayor we know the good wife and i know, know the mayor there so we'll, we'll get her on on dealing with that shit We're like what's up with the duck? prosecute to the fullest extent of the law <laughs> they should go to go to jail go to go to pound you pound you in the the rear prison drop the soap prison um so here's, uh, we're going to move on to Down Ballot Watch. We have a story from San Francisco starting off Down Ballot Ooh. Watch. And Ooh. this is a pretty good thing, I think, that uh, the city government's doing there. The news will do a better job of explaining it, but they passed a law basically that like if businesses open up, that just sort of the people that worked there before get first dibs at the jobs when the businesses open back up. Nice. It's, it seems like our, seems like most folks would do that anyway, but it's you know reasonable enough for the city to be like, well, most of you are going to do it. Guess what? Now you're all going to do it. And with a full statewide reopening now forecast for mid-June, not to mention reopenings happening now, businesses need to hire folks, right? And that's not necessarily going to be easy right now. Today in the base, Chris Sanchez, she's live for us to explain why looking for help is really looking to be more difficult. Chris? 
Well, there is a lot of competition for workers that are looking for work right now, Marcus. Even before the governor announced that the California economy would fully reopen this summer, we saw the lowest unemployment rates in California since the beginning of the pandemic. That Those numbers back from February. Now, just yesterday, San Francisco supervisors passed a back-to-work ordinance to make sure that people who were laid off from their jobs get to be first in line to get those jobs back before employers look to hire somebody else. This would apply at larger restaurants, hotels, grocery stores, really any business with more than 100 employees. Now, if the mayor approves that ordinance, that will be in effect for up to a year. Uh, but some employers are already finding it hard to staff at 100%, and there are a couple reasons why. One is that eight of the nine Bay Area counties are now in the less restrictive orange tier, so businesses have already been bringing employees back for weeks now, leading to a smaller hiring pool. There's also the fact that some workers really are in a position where they cannot re-enter the workforce while they still have children distance learning from home, so opening schools will be critical to them re-entering the workforce. And then there's also the gap between childcare costs and what pay and unemployment levels are. For low-wage jobs, um, the delta between working and collecting unemployment is, is, is smaller, and I think with the other factors at play, that may be a reason why Uh, there's another factor. Some workers are waiting for a vaccine before they feel comfortable returning to work. But with vaccine eligibility opening up to all Californians 16 years and older on April 15th, there could be a lot more people looking for jobs once they feel like it's safe to do that. But the pressure to fill positions is now on because we know that so much of our economy in California depends on tourism and hospitality. And those jobs uh, need to be filled before the summer rush because folks certainly are looking to get out and about now that it's a little bit safer to do that. In San Jose, Chris Sanchez, Today in the Bay. Yeah, I mean, absolutely sensible policy um, should, should be done. Um, San, there is a movement in San Jose to do this as well, so um, good on our local officials, although the businesses and, you know, or obviously, or at least the bigger businesses are crying foul and saying, oh, this is just a, an added burden on us and we've already been traumatized by this pandemic and you know you're putting an additional burden and we're going to have to we're going to have to close or pass the expenses on to our customers um did i tell you that kroger's apparently like the uh long beach passed an ordinance to for this for you know uh hazard pay for for grocery workers right so they get like five bucks extra an hour or something like that you know for for a few months or for a year um and kroger's took that moment to say oh we're gonna we're gonna be closing down two of our stores in in long beach because of that decision not because they're you know they have a bad business model or they're running <laughs> they're losing money they were they used it as an excuse right um if, but wait if but you're a, never... if you're a large organization with a lot of employees <clears throat> the people you laid off don't you still have paperwork on them like isn't the onboarding process like much isn't it much more efficient to onboard somebody you'd previously laid off due to covid than to 100%. hire somebody you've never fucking met before 100 percent, and not just that like training for you know purposes right like um uh it costs money to 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 train and to you know um for the time it takes for someone to adjust to a new job even if it's on the job training right like it's still 
productivity um, that they're you're losing if you're bringing in someone brand new and you have to train them to do all this shit. Whereas if you bring back someone who knows what they're doing, right, you're you're getting more out of them on top of that, and you're getting better productivity and better work. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, there's so many reasons for this to be to be done. Um, like nobody and, has to do the data entry; you already have their shit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. No fingerprinting. If you're talking about like you know dealing with kids and no, uh, no, background, no background checks checks. for the kinds of jobs right. that need because you already have a background check on file. Right. Right. And um, you know, like you like to say, <laughs> I have said you you've been saying I think consistently throughout this entire thing, like just fucking pay people to stay home. Right. Like if we just had had, had a plan to pay businesses to cover landlords to to you know to help everyone out. Right. Um, the the federal government can fucking print money at this point. So what the fuck if they can send if we can send these checks to people to everyone if we can spend you know 1.9 billion trillion dollars we could have figured out a way earlier on to to compensate these businesses who were you know even the ones who are like oh god this is going to ruin me at least the mom and pop businesses the small businesses right make sure that they're covered so that they don't have to force their employees to come back they don't have to force themselves to reopen and cause more spread of the disease and cause us all to have to wait this out even longer right it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy so you were you were right on all along and just saying like let's just like other countries have, have i think japan has have been doing it all along like pay your people to stay home um if right. you really want them and then instead of laying these people's off these businesses could have basically just gone into a pause mode mm-hmm. where yeah exactly like payroll's on pause everything's on pause but you're not now paying your fucking payroll company for anybody everything's right. just paused right and it's and, not like and, and there's no debt when you come back it's just everything's Pause, exactly. It's gonna be, it would be fraught with some problems, everything starting back up again for sure, but... Sure, sure. Doing but, um, the great pause would have been amazing. Yeah, and there's some, there's still a big problem with, um, you know, there's been eviction moratoriums that have been in place and rent freezes, but there's no saying whether, there's no steadfast rule as to whether or not, like, landlords can charge back rent, right, for the months that they did, weren't getting rent, or they can't just jack prices up, you know, Oh, I actually know about that. Our property management's been pretty... Uh, aggressive about sending out information about that stuff this program federal program part where mm-hmm. uh landlord just has to basically hit up the government fucking say the rent was this much you know these months weren't paid or this amount and their government would backstop up to 80 percent of it and as long as they're willing to not ask the tenant for the other 20 there you go so uh, yeah, i've that's... been i've been keeping up on this and uh i'm pretty pretty happy with property management because they said hey you know if you have any problems you know with your bills just reply to this email and uh, we're, we're going to enroll in this program. So kind of let us know what's going on. Well, well they the, also want that ones. information early, right? So they can start. Yeah. Doing fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Any, any kind of federal paperwork or any kind of government paperwork takes fucking forever. So they've got to, um, if they really want to do that, they've got to get, get their ducks in a row um, earlier on. You know, <laughs> I've been, I've been lucky. I've been able to work from home. Yeah. I picked up a new contract. People, people, <clears throat> our audience, particularly here on Twitch has been fairly generous. We've been losing patrons, but those people seem to just be subbing on Twitch and like gifting out subs to other people and stuff here on Twitch. So it's probably nice. like a wash it's nice. better than a wash. We've Twitch is outpacing Patreon greatly, but yeah, I mean, I'm lucky I have, I'm not behind. Like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, you know, my fucking parents are great. They were, my mom was like, Oh, I put a check in the mail. She's like, I got Aww. stimulus. I don't need it. We're giving it to you. Oh, that was, that's nice. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to up my, my Patreon um, a little bit, too, because I've been on the same level for a while. I want to want to do a little bit more now that I've actually got a, a job and gainful employment. So Oh, fuck yeah. We'll, 
not just cooking Patreons, for the wife. By the way, if anybody out there listening to the podcast is thinking about supporting Patreons better because the split is like 95-5, we're on Twitch, it's 50-50. Ooh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Well, that's so, why we're uh, doing a push to make partner because the, 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 the spread gets a little better when you're a partner, so. And you get a fancy email whenever producer Dave posts a new show and uh, posts the audio or the video. So, um, you know, get, get on that. You can do a little monthly donation. It doesn't hurt it, hurt anything. And, you know, even 10 bucks a month adds up over time. It's 120 bucks a year. That's, you know, it's substantial. So we have cool new levels too. It's like, uh, I forget what they are. One of them is like a deep state sleeper cell. Like it's at a dollar because you're just like a sleeper cell. You're just there and waiting, right? I forget what the other ones are. But then right. the last one, we had the toner cartridge level. So now I just changed that to toner cartridge lobbyist at the $56 <laughs> level. Because that's exactly how much a fucking toner cartridge costs for my printer. <laughs> Classy, right? Classy. Yeah, so get on that, folks. Um, if you're out there listening and you're not contributing, um, this these kind of... Um, you know, uh, this, this kind of content is only available because of the support from listeners, viewers, um, and the people who care. Um, so please help, help keep it going. Help producer Dave, um, buy more beer. Fuck yeah. No more equipment. I already have some idea. I want a better camera. Like when everybody comes back in the studio, I've been saving a little money. When everybody comes mm. back in the studio, I want to buy better cameras. Mm. I want to buy, I want to, <clears throat> there's a, there's some things I'm, I want to buy. I want to, I want to like spruce things up a little bit, make things a little more comfortable in here. New chairs, that kind of Christmas stuff. Christmas time for Echo. Play. But anyway, we're going to move on to our next story in Down Ballot Watch. Do you remember Let's that story we covered from Oakley where the whole school board got fired or some shit? How could I forget the ones that had the hot Zoom mic and called out the parents? And right. then they, they all told had the to truth the, about the parents being And assholes. they all resigned, all of them. They were, <laughs> that's the first. Um, in well, San Francisco, you got that one lady who's like the other board members had to force her off her committees. These guys all just said, we're out. Fuck this shit. Well, <laughs> the story, the plot thickens. They had some group texts. Oh, shit. <laughs> Remember those school board members in the East Bay who were caught on camera criticizing parents because they thought their Zoom meeting hadn't started yet? The yep. entire Oakley Union Elementary School Board ended up resigning. Tonight, our investigative unit has the exclusive story of what was going on behind the scenes through their text messages. Oh, Here's no. senior investigative reporter Bagat Shaban. Well, it turns out as those board members were struggling to get through the scandal, they got together for what they once again thought were private conversations, <laughs> this time via text oh, message. No. But because they were public officials at the time, those private texts legally have to be made public. And we got it's called the California Public Records Act. Oh, dear. You know, it took just a few hours for school board members at the tiny Oakley School District to gain national and international headlines for the comments they made about parents when they thought no one else was listening. They want to pick on us because they want their babysitters back. That is Lisa Bresendy. She was the board president at the time. She and her fellow trustees were seemingly frustrated with the criticism they'd been getting from parents about the district's slow-moving plan to reopen schools during the pandemic. Are we alone? Trustee Kim Beatty used <laughs> and threats to vent about it. Oops. Parents she was elected to represent. If you're gonna call me out, I'm gonna f you up. <laughs> but what they all thought was a private Are we alone? Is actually being live streamed to the public. Just FYI, you guys have the meeting. Oh. Once the we board finally figured it out, that meeting right went dark. But we now know what was going on behind the scenes. As the board scrambled to save face, the trustees started texting each other. A lot. It's bad, wrote Lisa Bresendine. Kim Beatty responded, we just got to suck it up and move on. Nope, 
It's so bad. Did you watch the video? Asked Bresendine. Some members appeared worried about what would happen next. One board member wrote, My husband just got a voicemail message saying that I need to resign because I'm a <laughs> 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 I throw up, wrote another. The board also continued to poke fun about what had just happened. Oh, this is good. Memes. If you can't laugh at it, then what else is there to do? Wrote she's TV. right. She also said, right. well, they're all right. We weren't talking about teachers. Oh, shit. And when oh, shit. To meet as a group, <laughs> the joking turned a little racy. Should we meet? Asked one board member. Can we do a quick three-way? Asked another. Excuse me, Erica? Wrote one trustee. We are all married, responded another. The board president... This is all just fun and games. ...first to resign, but we've learned privately her fellow board members urged her not to. Kim Beatty wrote... Don't let them win, Lisa. Please don't resign, said another board member. But once she did resign, text messages reveal some trustees criticized their board president. <laughs> of <course>. Kim Beatty <laughs> texted one board member, I'm not happy with Lisa, that she jumped ship a lot. <laughs> the very next day, all three of the remaining board members resigned too and issued a joint statement apologizing for what happened. But the board president's name was left off that statement. Oops. So she texted well, I mean, she wasn't on the board anymore. Super disappointed that you did not include me, she wrote. Another crushing blow. The superintendent responded, that was their statement. I saw you put out one yesterday. There is no intent in any of this, Lisa. I am dying over here. Oh, he thinks it's funny, now, too. Those are just some of the text <laughs> we received from the school district. But we also asked for all email messages. So far, Oakley Union has only given us two emails from the now former school board members. We reached out to the superintendent for comment on all this. But so far, we haven't heard back. With the investigative unit, I'm Begat Shaban. Well, he's busy dying, so. Yo. Yo. Don't be stupid. Oh, man, this is just another case of telling the truth and, you know, getting in trouble for it, unfortunately, because, um, I mean, there are just times and places to tell the truth, and that definitely wasn't one of them. I just, I do go back to it. I love it. Are we alone? It's like, come on, lady. <laughs> you, the fact that you're even asking that, like, why would you even risk saying all this shit in a public forum? And even then, because of the Public Records Act, even if um, no one was watching that meeting, it's still publicly accessible. It's public. It's recorded. It's available for anyone to request if they wanted to. So if someone heard that this is ha had happened, they could have, you know, uh, demanded video recordings of it. And they have to record it um, just by law. So, yeah, anytime you're in a public agency and you're an elected official and you're on any kind of camera, like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? The texts are just hilarious. I think that's just that that is perfectly understandable. Right. That's how I mean, that's how I, <laughs> I could see that conversation happening. Um, no doubt. Um, but the video is just like, what are you? Oh, my God. If I wasn't in control of something like that and I knew it was eventually going to be broadcast, as soon as I fucking connected, I would assume it was being broadcast. Absolutely. Like I, I've and I've had to sit on meetings like that as a, you know, as a, a official an appointed official. And, you know, I'm. I got my video on. I'm just staring, you know, blankly at the at the camera, just trying to be as neutral as possible. I'm not saying anything out of place. I'm speaking when I'm asked when I'm asked to speak or when I, you know, have something to say about a policy. But I'm sure as hell not going off the cuff, um, you know, uh, chit chatting. Like there's no there's no time. <laughs> there's plenty of time for that when you're not on the meeting on a public uh, channel. 
Well, um, sticking down ballot, um, <clears throat> but maybe taking a little jaunt out to a, uh, another locale, uh, just proving that all derp is local, no matter where you are, and everything's local to someone. Um, found a, a story that just came over my email today. Um, for folks who are not familiar, uh, every 10 years or so when the census is done, um, that leads governments to have to redraw the lines of all the legislative districts, right, for your city council and your board of supervisors and your state legislature and your Congress. Um, and different states have different ways of appointing the people that actually do this. Some, In some cases, in a lot of cases, actually, the politicians themselves draw the lines and vote on the new maps, and that can lead to massive problems, as you might imagine. Um, but in some cases, in a lot more cases, there are these independent commissions that are getting appointed to do the drawing for them. Um, but even that can be problematic, depending on who comes out in the wash in sort of either random selection or, you know, the appointment process. Um, so there was a commissioner who uh, had been appointed through a random process in Colorado to be on their state's redistricting commission. But it turns out he has some beliefs that are not exactly mainstream. Every 10 years, political district lines get redrawn based on population. Now, it used oh, crap. to be I just legislators, Democrats and Republicans who decide on those new boundaries. Colorado voters decide to put independent commissions in charge of the process, take the politics out. So we've been telling you about the people picked for this important work. Oh, no. Danny Moore is an election rigging conspiracy theorist and now the chair of the 12 person commission that will redraw <laughs> the state's congressional districts. On social media in January, Moore wrote, the election of 2020 will go down as the most questioned election in our country's history. He wrote, quote, mass mail-in ballots can be controlled by the people you give them to. And, quote, once you hand them over, you lose any voice you thought you had. We asked Moore, Republican, whether someone who has spread unverified claims of election fraud should be leading an independent redistricting commission. The thing that we value most is our First Amendment right to have an opinion. Um, my opinion is of no greater or lesser value to anyone else's opinion. It's meant to put out there so that people can have a conversation around the elections, conversation <laughs> around our First Amendment rights. So, yes, I, 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 should, I should be... Uh, the person that you want in charge of this chair to question the fairness of our, our elections, question the fairness of our approach to this. And so I think I am more than qualified, and any statement that I've made does not disqualify me. Moore is on that 12-person commission because he applied, and he was randomly picked in a bingo ball-like drawing. Moore said that his fellow commissioners picked him to be the chairperson. What a fucking uh, wackadoodle. So that's what you get with a random selection process. Yeah, some, some of the other things that he, uh, he has said. Uh, so he called the 2020 election the Democrat steal. He defended the use of the phrase Chinese virus to describe COVID-19. He accused the media of lying about the coronavirus pandemic. And this is my favorite. He alleged that a local TV station staged the shooting and killing of a protester uh, during the George Floyd uh, protests in the Wait, summer of 2020. That's crazy. Why would the TV? What? Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know. So I'm, I, I did look for some more video um, of this. I'm, I will desperately try to find some. This just came across my, my desk today. Um, but yeah, I would very much like to see more from, from this guy. Maybe we want to keep some tabs on him because he sounds like just the kind of guy for the Sunday show. He sounds like the kind of guy who probably has a YouTube channel. Yeah, right. His own. His very own. He had his own uh, street sign in the background there with his name on it. So... Um, obviously he's very full of himself. Um, 
but hey, he's doubling down. That's great. He um, and they elected him the chair. That's the that's the best part is that his his colleagues elected. It wasn't that wasn't like random selection. Like that means the the other people on the commission said this is the guy we want to chair the commission. I think it probably more went like he was the only one who really wanted to do it, and they're like, fine, whatever. Right. right. What do I have to do? Is it more work? Oh shit! <laughs> Let him um, do it. Right. Although I'll, most most people. And it's not, it usually isn't a paid position, right? Maybe there's a stipend for like the meeting time, but there's really, there's no pay in this. It's really thankless work. Um, it's really only the people like me and the good wife who are super wonks and, you know, get off on this shit who want, you know, will volunteer to do it. So um, I would imagine it was a contested chairs race. I'm sure there was one other person who wanted to do it. I would hope there was one other person who, you know, would say like, uh, you know, this guy's fucking this guy's fucking nuts i don't want him to be the chair <laughs> hopefully hopefully you but, would think right you know it's the kind of people it's either super civic minded people like you and and the good wife or it's the people that show up and rant at the city council meeting that want to mm -hmm. do the redistricting probably it's like sure probably yeah. pretty clear cut like it's it's funny though with the independent commissions a lot of the time um they'll put guidelines on in place to you know about who can apply right and they'll prohibit, you know, people who are, you know, politically oriented, right? If they're on their, their local party's central committee, or if they were a candidate or going to be a candidate for office, or if some places, even if they like donate to, to candidates, um, or if they've been, you know, in publicly endorsing candidates. Um, so it actually can be pretty restrictive. And that was something that Good Wife and I were talking about, because it's like, but those are the exact kind of people who are going to vault. Those are really the only people who are probably going to volunteer for these kind of jobs anyway, are the ones that are really political wonks. So you're kind of cutting off this really big thread of people who you kind of need to, to do the work. Um, otherwise you get folks who are completely, if you get folks who are completely apolitical, it's great, I guess, because they don't come at it with that baggage, but at the same time, they don't maybe understand the nuances of how this shit works. And the the pros and the cons of how things like this can go bad right very easily um and they don't have the history or the knowledge so like we talked about before like there's a lot of training and education that has to happen for these folks before they can even begin to do their work um so I we'll also, see with this this will be a bigger story as, we, as it gets close as we get closer to getting the data back from the census we'll be hearing more about this i also think like just because somebody's like not politically partisan doesn't isn't really an indication of whether or not they're gonna you know you have a whole bunch of bias when they try to draw the districts right uh it it's it's not necessarily an indication um i know plenty of people who are politically oriented for even for one party or the other who are i would consider pretty objective um i certainly like to think of myself that way i have my policy position but I, uh, I, for, I very much am interested in seeing quote unquote fair elections. And, uh, and I want to see, yeah, like justice. I like, I like, uh, independence. I like, you know, uh, like equity. So that's, that would be my intent. So I, I'd be happy to serve on these, one of these commissions, but I'm never eligible to apply for them. So, so I don't, and I just sit here and rant at them and call during public comment now and be like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> I'll tell you what to do. You can move that line over there. Um, so that's what I'm relegated to. Unfortunately, they hate me because all I do is like text them, <laughs> text them and email them uh, in emails that can be pulled for public record later um, to tell them that they're full of shit. So uh, that's such as life as a politically oriented person. 
Well, we, we well, would definitely be keeping an eye on that guy. He seems like he seems like a fucking he seems like he's probably running for president in twenty twenty. He seems like a lot of fun. There was actually um, um again, this is because I follow this issue a lot. There's actually another guy. I couldn't get video of this, unfortunately. Apparently, up in Washington, um, the commissioners are appointed by the the state senate, right, and the right. state the state house. Um, and apparently, the state senate Republican leader named a former legislator with a history of rape allegations to the the panel. <laughs> So uh, all sorts of joyousness is happening on these on these commissions these days. So we'll definitely keep tabs on Danny and uh, the Colorado situation for sure. All right. Well, that's down by the watch for this this week, I believe. Um, and now another thing. What can you tell us a little bit about this this heartwarming story that you found? Yeah, it's not about an animal, so I like didn't really pick the story properly. But uh, <laughs> there's a local hairstylist in. Uh, you know, the impoverished area of Walnut Creek. Um, and, uh, seems like people in the community helped, uh, support her. And now she's got her own salon. It's really hard out there on Walnut Creek. Stylist who lost her job because of the pandemic is now opening up a salon all on her own. And she says mm. it's all because so many people helped her get back on her feet. KTVU's Rob Roth has the story. I, I just did like put my focus on the pandemic um, took away her livelihood last year this time I was sitting in my little place and crying my eyes out because as a stylist suddenly I had no job but here at Naz hair affair in Walnut Creek a comeback story is unfolding I'm just so grateful that I had all these people around me support me through hard um, time and now I'm here. You probably wouldn't have done it if COVID. But getting to where she is was difficult for Naz Hazrati and it took a lot of help. Just before the pandemic, Nazrati found herself divorced and living in an RV parked in the back of her brother's home in Martinez. Down by the river. Three dogs. Then came COVID. Aww. March 16, 2020, we all had to not to go to work and um, that was the income. I guess the hair stylists um, were the one it hit a lot. But compassion started coming her way. Former clients sent her money out of the blue to help keep her going. My clients start to reaching out to me. Um, they were offering me help, like uh, what I need. And it was for me, it was like falling from grace. Recently, Hazrati heard about a former salon in Walnut Creek that had become vacant, but she wasn't able to afford the lease. And she says the building owner decided to take a chance on her and has offered several months of free rent until she's able to get Naz Hair Affair running. Hazrati started back this week with a few clients, but on Sunday, she's planning a celebration to thank all the people who lived her and helped her get back in business. I don't know how to say thank to the people that supported me or out there helping other Three haircuts. People. I know for sure without them, I wouldn't be here right now <clears throat> sitting in my own salon. Rob Roth, KTVU, Fox 2 News. So that was our human interest story for the week. Good for Nas. That's awesome. Uh, I, I don't know if... Uh, how often you go, but I, uh, I had a barber that I frequent, pre frequented pretty regularly, uh, when I was, when we were not in COVID. And of course he had to shut down for a while. Um, last time I saw him, I think was at least six, seven months ago. And my hair usually, usually grows pretty quick, but, um, it had gotten, it had gotten pretty shag. Um, and suddenly 
you know, I was, I was just thinking like, I should get a haircut. I wonder if my barber's coming back. My barber called me. I thought that was great. And I, I'm like, he said, I'm coming, I'm coming back soon, but it wasn't really so much that he wanted to set up an appointment with me. I think he really just needed like that gossip. Like he, he needed that, that chit chat, right. Um, that, that barbers do so well. It's like your barber and your bartender, right? Like, um, they, they live off of that. So he just wanted to know like, how's, how's our old council member doing? How's this and that guy doing? How's this person doing? How's this public figure doing? Cause he knows, I know all the public, public folks. Um, you so should he, have he charged just, him for some consulting work. Yeah, right. <laughs> he called just to check in. Um, so, uh, but I did get a, a, a cut, so I'm feeling pretty good. Um, uh, but so uh, good for these folks. I'm glad that um, Nas was able to. This sometimes you know necessity is the mother of invention, as they say, and it's great to see that she was able to. Maybe she always had a dream of starting her own business, right? Um, and COVID has a in a weird way allowed her to do that. So good for her. Um, that's a great story. You know, the dogs are the, really cute. The, the, the landlord giving her a couple months free rent. I wonder if like one of the, her clients knows that particular landlord or Could like be. how the wheels got greased or, cause I don't know how those two people would come to us. Oh, she may have hit them up and inquired about it. Who knows? Right. But it sounds like uh, a, sounds like this is a feel good story. I just feel like, um, there's a lot of food servers and bartenders out there who, <laughs> you know, unfortunately didn't get any of this kind of support so yeah i mean with stylists i think it's it's like you know therapists stylists certain types of uh, professions you really develop a uh, a relationship with your clients if you do good work right and if and people are just like inc- immensely intensely loyal to their their stylists right um they'll follow them around to wherever they're working not so much like just staying at the same shop or something local right i know the good wife like she has a a stylist or an esthetician that she sees and she'll she drives it used to be like right around the corner from us she had to move um because of rent or other things and she she drives now like i think a half an hour to go see this person um when she could go right around the corner again to another shop so it's a very loyalty-based industry so um not surprised that she that this apparently Nas, this lady does some good work so not surprised that she's got a, a loyal following but yeah, others have not been so so lucky. So it's I've seen some shuttered, a lot of shuttered barber shops and and, and style joints. Um, so hopefully we'll get out of this soon enough, and folks will be able to find new work because it's that's just going to lead to more unemployment, more folks living out of their cars or on the street. Um, and we've already got enough of that already. And not not everyone's as lucky as you and I to be able to have have work from that we can do from home. Well, here's hoping this lady fucking pays that shit forward and gives people yeah. reduced rent on their stand in her salon because you rent a stand at the salon. So hopefully, right. hopefully she pays it forward for like the time the time being. And Chad has a pretty good point. Like these human interest stories are always like <clears throat> they're always like, oh, this is great, but why did we why why did we set things up so that the pe- these people's material conditions are such as they are? You know, like right. we could we could we could get rid of these kinds of human interest stories if we just take a little bit better care of people as a society. Absolutely. And it would be ho-hum and we wouldn't, it wouldn't even be a story. Right. Um, so right, and then we'd have a cat or something and, uh, yeah, and right. story. Well, good, good for her dogs too. Her dogs were super cute. That was awesome. So hopefully they get some good dog food now. And there was in fact an animal in that. That was good. That's a great point. Um, and we did have the duck story earlier. So, you know, there's that <laughs> we're not completely without animals well, hopefully we'll get the story of the du- well for another thing next week we'll have the story of the ducks return hopefully but triumphant return that can be our feel-good story next week beautiful well thank you for putting uh, most of the docket together this week i really appreciate it it was been, it's been a hellish week for me with with uh, adventures 
So thank you as always. Yeah, no problem. It was, it was easy. Uh, um, what do you, uh, what do you got going? Any special, uh, stuff going on tomorrow or on the Sunday show that you can, um, I mean, tomorrow leak? we're doing the <clears throat> open panel from eight to 10 and then I'm going to DJ some on the, on another website, the conduit Sunday show. I fucking, the fucking, I, I don't even look at, I don't even start organizing that till Saturday afternoon, but there's a ton of stuff that I've already put on it. Um, probably going to nice. be, you know, the first hour is always the anti-mask insanity. And, and then just the fucking same as it ever was until red light, red lights getting a little bit weird and harder to deal with because, because like the things that are just like everyday occurrences now are just like, well, right. this would have been in red light four years ago. What the fuck? Right. It's like the, the show has, be, the you know, life imitates red light, right? Um, I did ha- get get a chance to catch some of the interview with um, Dan Vado uh, on Local Love Tuesday. I think you posted that as well. So I would recommend people check that out. Speaking of local issues. Yeah, Dan's pretty Dan's pretty cool. And on Local Love on uh, <clears throat> this Tuesday, we have uh, Ryan Acosta during hour one for an interview. And then we have Periscope during hour two. Members of Ooh. Periscope for an interview. So. All right. We love them. And then uh, I believe the week after we have Jamie DeWolf from Tourette's Without Regrets up in Oakland. He'll be coming on for an interview. First interview we did with him was about Scientology because he's actually L. Ron Hubbard's great grandson. Oh, no shit. And wild. But we didn't really get to talk about Tourette's Without Regrets and his other, like his film and like the things that he's doing. We didn't talk enough right. about that, I don't think. So we're going to have him back on. And then uh, nice. I don't know if you're a local Bay Area musician and you want to get interviewed or play <clears throat> play a short set. Uh, you know, remotely or pretty soon, maybe in the fucking studio. Um, hit us up, echo at echoplexmedia.com. And we're out of here. This is The Devil from California by Rebels Camp. I'm going to go pour myself a cocktail, turn the lights red. <clears throat> and again, if you're listening to the podcast, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia, because there's a whole other thing. It goes pretty late. Good night, Constable. Bye, Thank you. Thank you, sir. Devil! Devil!